recently WordPress released version 5.0, and with that, they ushered in the new Gutenberg editor. I'm going to share with you why I'm not exactly a huge fan of this new editor and some things to consider when building your own brand. All this and more on The Rightly Show. It's the program that helps you start and grow a brand-centric online business through the fusion of form and function. This is The Rightly Show. Hello and welcome to the program. My name is Thomas McGee and this is The Rightly Show. Okay, so recently there was a pretty major update that was done to WordPress uh, and it came with WordPress 5.0 and it was an all new text editor. It's kind of a new way of editing your editing your posts and your pages and your content for WordPress. So this has had some pretty mixed reviews. Uh, but what I wanted to do today was take some time to talk about the editor and why I'm not necessarily a big fan in terms of how it has been rolled out. Some of the things that I think uh, there are some positives about it, but I think for the overall overwhelming majority of WordPress users, why I actually think that it's a step in the wrong direction. So if you're not already aware, you can actually head on, or you can just do a quick Google search where you can also link it up, uh, uh, up in the show notes it's called Project Gutenberg. Uh, or the Gutenberg editor is what they called it. Uh, and before they actually released WordPress 5.0, they did release the Gutenberg editor as a plugin. So leading up to the release of, of version 5.0, you could uh, mess around with it. You could test it out um, and kind of see some of the features that are built into it. So in essence, without going into all the details, what they've done with the text editor is they've transformed it from what it was before of a standard text editor. So if you're pretty familiar with WordPress, you know that if you're going to create a new post in WordPress, you jump in there and you just have a box. And that box is where you would type in your or paste in your content. You'd have things like italic and bold and, uh, you know, headings and block quotes and, and all the basic formatting that you would get uh, with a rich text editor. And that's kind of what we've come to know and expect from everything from, you know, a basic word processor to Gmail to any email client we use. That's essentially how we edit our text. Now, since then, there's been some technologies or some some languages that have come out that I'm actually a pretty big fan of, like Markdown, which make adding um, various um, formatting to your text really easy and inline. Um, but at the end of the day, there's what we're all used to, which is the box where you type in your text and then you add any basic formatting. Well, what they did with the new editor was that they kind of changed it into a block Based editor. So no longer are you faced with a box that you type in and then add formatting to. Instead, what you receive is kind of a, bl a blank canvas. Now, you can still type on this blank canvas and each paragraph kind of turns into its own block, but it's meant so that at its core, you're able to build out pages so you can drag, you know, an image gallery in or a video or a short code or something like that. Uh, and in the um, later on in this episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down why I actually think that approach, the block-based editor, is actually a step back from where the previous, more basic, simplistic, rich uh, text editor 
was. But before I do that, I wanted to take a quick moment today just to mention a new course that we have available absolutely free over at Rightly and Company. I just want to make sure that you sign up for that if you haven't already. You can find that over at rightly.training. This is a course where I'm going to, it's a five-part video series where I'm going to walk you through the fundamentals of building an effective brand on the web. These are a lot of the same strategies and tactics that are being used by million and multi-million dollar brands, or multi-billion dollar brands, um, in order to target their, tar- uh, their target their customers and make sure that their products and the services that they deliver uh, resound and resonate with the people that they're trying to reach. So this was a course that I was originally planning on charging $1,000 for. I decided to give it away absolutely free. So make sure that you go over there and enroll in the uh, free workshop. It is uh, over at rightly.training. Again, that is rightly.training. Become a Rightly subscriber and never miss a thing. Go to rightly.show slash subscribe to get the latest tools, resources, videos, and more. Best of all, it's free. Rightly.show slash subscribe. Okay, so today's main topic is WordPress 5.0 and its new Gutenberg editor. Some of the reasons why I'm not a huge fan of the new editor and some things that we can learn from it, most importantly. Okay, so as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the show, uh, Gutenberg Editor is the new block-based way of being able to edit your posts and your pages. So one of the biggest reasons why I am not a particular fan of this editor is that it strays away from what WordPress was originally intended for. The reason WordPress, when it first started out as a really basic blogging platform, you had other things like Typeform or Squidoo, I think was another one. There's a lot, or not Typeform. I can't remember the name of it, but there's a lot of other uh, blogging options at the time, uh, you know, that were coming out around the same time as WordPress. What made WordPress so appealing to so many bloggers and writers, the original uh, or type pad, that's right. Uh, some of the original people who were, you know, wanting to write on the web was that it was so clean. It was so beautiful. It was so easy to work with. You just jumped in there and you started writing. The reason WordPress was so successful was because of that writing experience. So that very thing which made WordPress successful is now what they have, in, a, in essence, undone with this new editor. So here, here's kind of one of the trends that have been taking place in the WordPress marketplace for a long time. Uh, and this is actually one of the reasons why I decided to start a theme marketplace of my own called Notable Themes, is that there's a lot of these page builders that are being created. They're very hefty, they're very large, they've got a lot of features packed into them. And the whole idea is that a designer or even somebody who isn't a designer but wants to build their own website can go into WordPress and can kind of like working with puzzle pieces, start to build out web pages for their site that are full width, that have image galleries, that have block quotes, that have videos, full width web pages without having to know how to code. I don't necessarily have a problem with that concept. Now, in my opinion, I think a lot of the page builders out there are bloated and they make for slow websites that don't really Uh, convert well or offer any real value. They're never, I mean, from what I can see, they're meant to look pretty, not achieve a result. Um, 
But all that said, it it is okay. It's an interesting idea opening up the possibility of being able to build out WordPress websites or WordPress pages with a block-based editor. However, building out a page that is block-based is a different process and a different thing than writing and creating and producing text-based content. So the first thing we have to consider is how do most people use WordPress on a daily basis? We know that WordPress powers, I think, upwards of 42% of sites across the entire web. Some of those include news sites, which are producing content not only daily, but on an hourly basis. They, uh, a number of blogs, online shops, um, CNN. Uh, there's a ton of news sites. I think the New York Times is currently run on WordPress. And a lot of these sites, what they are doing is very text heavy, right? They're creating, whether they're writing it in another platform and pasting it into WordPress, um, or whether they're writing directly in WordPress, most people are using WordPress as a platform to write. So how does that relate to the new block-based text editor? Well, the new block-based text editor is meant to be is meant to lend itself more toward that that blocked the page builder style creation of content than it is the original WordPress style of writing and creating content. So, if you're to go through and you're to start typing out an article in the new block-based editor, you'll see that your editing workflow becomes really slow and bulky, at least it did for me, as you start the process. Every single time you hit enter and you create a new paragraph, it creates a new block. And if you want to, you know, do something extravagant, like select multiple paragraphs, it becomes very very cumbersome and heavy and difficult uh, as you're trying to do really basic writing and editing features. So then it's got, you know, in the top left-hand corner, you can go through, and I know we're on podcast, so I can't necessarily show you, but if you were to go through and you start to add in, uh, you know, a text block or, you know, add in a paragraph block, or if you were to add in a video or a gallery or something like that, it actually works pretty well. But again, what probably 90% of us are doing when we are using WordPress on a daily basis is not building out extravagant pages. We are producing and we're creating content. And when it comes right down to it, the more hurdles that you place in the way of creating that content, the more difficult you make it for us to do the basic things for which WordPress was originally intended. So one of the big things that I am not particularly excited about uh, and why I think this is actually a bad decision for WordPress to have made this text editor the default is that it targets a small minority of the people who use WordPress. I build a lot of WordPress websites for a wide range of customer of, you know, independent brands and companies. And literally every single one of these people for whom I have developed the site use WordPress as a daily content creation mechanism. And that content typically is in the form of writing a blog post. Uh, maybe a podcast, maybe a video with some text that corresponds with that. But the problem with making this block-based editor the core of everything that WordPress is and that it, it operates in terms of its main functionality is that you're targeting those people who want to be able to build out pages 
and making them, in, in essence, the forefront and, in essence, ignoring everybody else who just wants a very basic, clean writing experience. So here's the thing, though. Like, I am not 100% opposed to this block-based editing experience. I actually think that it's pretty well done. It's elegantly designed. I think some of the features that they have built in, it's done well. What I think, though, is that it's forgetting and it's losing sight of the original purpose for which WordPress was intended. And that's what most of us use it for, is a clean, simple writing experience. So what I would recommend, uh, one of the things that I propose and I've seen many other people propose is, you know what you could do is use the block-based editor on the pages and make a clean, simple elegant writing experience, even better and cleaner than it was before, for the posts. Pages are static content, something that you might want to build out an elegant, long-form, block-based page. And then for your main content, make that an editor, the posts. So that's where people are writing their blog posts, their news articles, uh, their stories, their podcasts, their video show notes, whatever that long-form content is, make, make it fit how most people use it rather than for the few people who like to build out block-based pages. So before I go into, we've actually got some reviews I'm going to go through so we can just kind of see that I'm not the only one who feels this way. But before we do that, I would just want to touch base with with Casey and uh, get some of, I wanted to get some of your thoughts and your feedback. I know that you like elements of the editor. Like I said, I like elements of the editor too, but I just like to kind of get your perspective and your thoughts on the editor in general. Sure, absolutely. Um, so with the with WordPress, I've I've worked with WordPress for a long time. I've started and archived uh, many blogs of my own, um, and been a content manager for clients and worked on their blogs and managed their blogs and podcasts uh, through WordPress's platform. And with the uh, with that in mind, I am still very like. A technical noob in terms of like WordPress coding and like how to move things around and custom CSS and all that stuff. So I'm very like, I'm that super basic user. Like I know how to put in images and format the text and that's about it. Um, I get very easily frustrated by the platform because I'm not in some ways because I'm not a developer. Um, a, uh, a one editor, that I do really like, a text editor that I enjoy, is Medium. So I think Medium's um, writing experience uh, is very minimal and clean while at the same time enabling you to have formatting and incorporate multimedia um, without being bloated uh, and and using kind of blocks of content in a way um, without interfering with the creative experience. Um, and a I think an editor that doesn't do that very well at all is Squarespace. I hate trying to use Squarespace for creating content. Um, Squarespace as a platform has a lot of great things, um, especially like from a design perspective, from someone who doesn't have any like coding or development like background. I appreciate it in other people. Thomas, I'm very excited to know you um, because I can ask you questions like, ah, how do I fix this? Um, but I, uh, for the creative experience, Squarespace's editor is, to me, is very painful. And WordPress's new Gutenberg editor seems like 
uh, a mix of medium meet the experience on medium and Squarespace. So I really like the medium aspects of it, but some of that Squarespace influence I find frustrating. Yeah. And I think that's, that's, I think that's part of why I think there could be a compromise because I think, like I said, I think there's pieces of the new editor that are really well designed. I, I, I think the way it was designed and created was good. I think it was implemented well. I just think that it was, put in the wrong place in WordPress. I think that the posts should be primarily regarded, primarily made to making writing the creation of WordPress posts or content easier. Think, so what I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think that gets to a root issue of what the defined purpose of the text editor is. And you've touched on this a little bit, but not necessarily like explicitly stated. What's your perspective? What do you believe the the blog post editor is for what is what is its core foundational purpose so the way it was it was laid out or it was always presented early on in with wordpress was it was you just write it was the the whole idea the whole idea of a web blog starting out was that you were are writing uh, it's a log you're keeping track of what's going on throughout the day or maybe you're sharing uh, useful information, maybe if it's a business blog that you're you're writing. So it started out as a place to go to write, to publish, to share with the world what you're creating. In order to publish, like if you worked for a newspaper, it would be insane for the reporter to sit down in, uh, you know, Excel or Paint or uh, even PageMaker or InDesign or one of these platforms <laughs> in order to write their piece. Like it'd be like, you know, you're wasting a ton of time dragging all those blocks around. Here's Notepad if you want it. <laughs> you oh know, my, I haven't so, I haven't thought about MS Paint in a long time. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the way I look at this new editor. It's it's not that bad. I mean, it it is fairly intuitive in that you can just start typing and hitting enter, and it makes the blocks for you automatically. A lot of the the difficulties with it are just making like even as I was going through early on and trying to test with it, it was like just making basic italics and bold and links. It's just so rearranged and changed from what you're used to. You're having to learn a whole new way of writing. And it, the more, and that's part of the problem when it comes to writing is that especially when you are, you're doing a very t creative type of writing. If you are doing a type of journalism, or even if you are, uh, you're just writing on a topic of which you have a lot of knowledge, getting that information from your brain to the page as quickly as possible is pivotal because a lot of us, we just write and then you want to get to the point where you edit later. Well, the Gutenberg editor hinders that process. It puts roadblocks, albeit small, some would say, but it puts roadblocks in the way of us getting that information from our minds to the screen, to the page, to the place we're going to publish it. So that's why a lot of people use other tools in order to capture or write down their information. And my whole argument is you shouldn't have to. If WordPress is for publishers, if that's who they're trying to gear their content toward, then it should be designed and developed for those types of people. What are some so what are some of the pros and cons of doing your creation, doing your actual writing inside of WordPress versus a third party editor? So one of the biggest uh, pluses to doing it in WordPress is that it's just going to be more efficient for you. 
because what you're going to be able to do is you're just you're literally creating in the platform or in the page that you're going to be publishing. So you don't have to necessarily worry about taking it from another place, copy and pasting and then formatting. The great thing for your workflow is that if you're able to, you're actually able to go through and even add formatting as you're typing. It can be a part of your thinking, you know, your um, your creative process. One of the plugins that I'll mention and I've mentioned in videos and in other uh, workshops I've done in the past is there uh, there is an actual Markdown editor that you can install in WordPress that recognizes Markdown. Markdown, if you're not familiar with it, is something that um, it's a writing language that you can use to add formatting to your writing as you are writing. So, for example, you could add, uh, you know, like a a carrot or not a carrot. You can add like a, a star, uh, you know, on either side of a word. Uh, and then it'll italicize it. So little things like that. A dash is a bullet point. So you can literally add formatting to your content as you are writing it rather than having to take your hands off the, or put your hand on the mouse and, you know, click the italic button or whatever. There's little things like that that can make that process a lot easier and a lot quicker. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Markdown. I'm not very technical. I don't. I only know enough HTML code to be really dangerous. Um, but I really enjoy the Markdown process because it is less interruptive. We talked, um, you know, last uh, in a previous episode about you know the ability to you know have focused you know writing experience, and instead of having to you know write something and then go back and highlight it to change it to bold or italics or a quote, what Markdown allows you to do is just to incorporate that formatting by adding you know symbols so that your writing experience is not interrupted so you can have that you know free flow of thought and creativity and have that captured instead of being interrupted by okay this is bold this is italics etc um what are what are some of the dangers or, or cons of using the wordpress editor exclusively yeah so there are some some challenges that you can run into if you are going to use the wordpress editor and One of the things to keep in mind is that it is on the web. So if for whatever reason you close your browser window and you, for whatever reason, ignore the prompt that says this hasn't been saved, you can lose your work. That's something to be really wary of. Now, fortunately, WordPress has gotten a lot better at auto-saving. So it will auto-save a draft of your work pretty regularly. But you want to keep that in mind if you're working in a place that doesn't necessarily have the best... um, internet connection that's just something to be aware of as you are working in wordpress one of the other things as well is that and unfortunately this new editor kind of adds to it is that within wordpress it can it can also prove to be a little bit of a distraction so one of the things that you might want to try and i would just recommend experimenting with different ways of creating content uh, just to see what works fastest and best for you but sometimes going through and doing something as simply as adding italic and bold headings to what you're writing can slow down the actual creative process. So if you find yourself getting stuck uh, and you want to be able to capture the information as quickly as humanly possible, uh, then you may want to just try a plain text editor and start there and then add your formatting afterwards. One of the things I would kind of recommend against, and this is just a, a, this is a very personal preference, But what I would shy away from, especially for creating more short form content, maybe even long form if you're talking a book or something, is to shy away from text to speech uh, or speech to text, I should say. Uh, And the reason I say that is because 
it's really easy when you're uh, when you're doing something that is text to speech. One of the one of the benefits of writing something down is it causes you to think through more logically what it is you are trying to say. On a podcast, we can explore a concept uh, more widely, and you don't have to worry about you know. Uh, writing, so to speak, as tightly as you would if you're reading something. And the problem is that, you know, when you're writing something, if you just talk it out, it can, it ends up being paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs, and you're probably going to have to spend more time editing than you would have if you just wrote it down, because you can be more concise with the things that you're trying to convey. So biggest hurdle when it comes to a WordPress editor uh, is just the flow of information from your mind to the page. There can be some roadblocks there, but you kind of have to weigh what you like more, what's more important to you, being able to format your content uh, on the fly or if you if that's not as important. So it's important pieces to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that you're highlighting the importance of figuring out which workflow, which tools, which process works best for you. Me personally, I like writing in a third party app because I can do it offline and I have everything else closed. So I don't have my web browser open with multiple tabs. I don't have notifications, you know, pinging me that I've got emails or Twitter mentions or whatever. I'm able to have a single program open and its sole purpose is to capture my words. And so um, some of those third-party tools that I use are Bear, Bear Writer, um, IA Writer. There's other ones like Scrivener and Ulysses um, that I've heard people use for you know writing books or you know drafting blog posts. But I like I like that approach um, using a third-party tool because it uh, helps eliminate those those distractions. So that's that's my preference. Um, Thomas, have you tried any of the third-party apps? I have actually, there's one I really like, uh, that I, I use pretty regularly called bear. So I like bear mainly because what, what's really neat about bear is it organizes your writings almost as though it were a mail program. I like how you can just kind of create your own tags. And then on the left hand, it just lists out all your most recent writings and it's all just kind of self-contained. So it's not like, for example, going on your computer and creating a folder for your writings and then saving a document in that folder. Instead, Bear is just self-contained and it works on, you know, all iOS devices. It works on Mac. I don't think it's available for Windows yet, but uh, I, I'm a huge advocate for me personally. I'm a huge advocate of writing in a third party software and then kind of taking it from there. In fact, I kind of go to the extreme in that since one of the things I like about Bear is that it is Markdown based. So we touched on Markdown earlier. So I write, I've just gotten into the habit of writing everything in Markdown. So I will even write my emails. I'll write my blog posts. I'll write my page content. I'll even write long form Slack messages in Bear first just to get my thoughts out, you know, just so I know it's saved somewhere in case Slack crashes or something. I don't lose that information. So yeah, Bear is the one I, I'm a big fan of personally. Yeah, I think Bear is great and how they have incorporated the use of hashtags for like organizing your thoughts and stuff. And I yeah, actually use hashtags totally. to track the status of whatever I'm working on. So like if I'm working, if I'm writing a blog post, I'll have like hashtag blog and then the status of it is just something I type in there. So hashtag draft or hashtag done um, or or whatever. And then 
I'm able to like click on that tag in the left column and then be like, all right, where are my drafts? So I just click on that tag and it shows me all of my current drafts. Or I click on blog and I can see all of my blog posts. So that's something I really, I really like in Bear as well. And the other cool thing is when you're writing, uh, if you're writing in Markdown, you're able to export as HTML. So you can actually export the HTML and then paste that into the text editor on WordPress and have it all perfectly formatted without having to go back and like make adjustments. Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. That is actually a huge plus. I forget how much, like if I'm writing, I use ConvertKit for my emails. If I write all those emails that I send in Bear, I make sure to copy that text as HTML and paste it into the HTML editor in ConvertKit um, to make sure that, you know, that content remains that exact formatting without. Because one of the problems, and I've, I've run into this uh, myself with a lot of, uh, you know, clients I've worked with in the past, is they say, I, you know, why does my blog post on the site look all messed up? All the formatting's weird and these weird colors and everything. But the first question I always ask is, where did you copy that text from? Say, oh, Microsoft Word. It's like, yeah, that'll do it every time. Microsoft Word just embeds. I don't know if it still does. It's been a while uh, since I've tried it myself, but it just embeds a ton of weird information into uh, the text you're copying. So nice thing about something like Bear is that you get clean HTML, which doesn't add anything odd or weird in there. So that's a help. Yeah, but it's also over time, it actually contributes to the speed of your site and how things load. Yeah. Because if you have, you know, even a little bit of junk code in each of your blog posts, if you write, you know, if you end up writing dozens, hundreds, or even thousands of blog posts over time, all of that junk adds up. And so if you're able to keep, you know, the code and um, the HTML of, of your blog post really clean, um, that's really super helpful. Um, what if you... If you could sit down with uh, Matt Mullenweg from WordPress and have a conversation about Gutenberg and ways and like how you is rather than perhaps just blowing it up and reverting all the changes, if you could, you know, have create like Gutenberg 2.0, if you could if you could fix it, how would you change it so that it is uh, providing those core features and eliminating distractions while at the same time providing you know uh the tools and benefits that it was intended to so it had it had a certain intention around it when they came out with gutenberg but it sounds like they missed the mark so what would you tell matt mullenweg if you could sit down with him yeah so if i were sitting in you know his chair if i were in his shoes what i would recommend what i would do let's say well we're already here right we've released it it's out so there are already, albeit I would probably say there are few, I would say they are probably the, the minority, but there are people who are using it now every single day, and it is the, now the part of their workflow. I would not, at this stage in the game, go back and you know, just roll it back to the way it was before, because you're just going to cause more confusion than ever before, because people there are people who, even if they don't like it, or if it's begrudgingly, uh, or do like it, they 100% love the new editor. Uh, who are using it and are implementing it and are making changes to that end. So what I would do is that I would make it, uh, what I would do is I would create a second version of the old editor. I would make it better. I'd make it cleaner. I'd make it uh, kind of like that bare writing experience. We could turn on and off Markdown if you wanted to. Make it the writing experience that everybody goes to all these third-party apps to get. And I would make that the default. And I would make it 
so that you can switch back and forth with a simple switch, a, a simple option in the editor between the text-based editor and the block-based editor. Um, and just keep the block-based editor, but make it secondary uh, to the text-based editor. And the reason I would recommend that is part of developing a, a product. And I know that, that WordPress is free and open source. And we do, of course, have to take a moment to be thankful for WordPress, regardless of all of its flaws, uh, so-called. There are way more benefits to WordPress than there are. This is an extremely small piece of WordPress. WordPress is a massive and it has it, it is a massive piece of software that has grown and improved over the years. And I think that's part of why you've gotten such a reaction from the community about this is because people are so invested in the software being successful. So one of the things I would do as well is I would take some time to listen to the community, listen to what people are saying, and I think that's a big piece of it too. So I'm actually going uh, what I'm actually looking at right now are the reviews over at wordpress.org. So if you wanted to, which I typically recommend and I do myself, you can actually install a plugin uh, that enables you to keep using the classic editor that WordPress offers. And then uh, they also have the plugin still in the repository for the Gutenberg editor. And one of the interesting things that you will see is that mm, my opinion, or at least one uh, near my opinion isn't necessarily the mino minority in the sense that if you go to the wordpress.org repository and you take a look at the classic editor, it has at the moment of uh, this episode, it has 568 five-star reviews. It has nine four-star reviews, two three-star reviews, and one or three one-star reviews meaning that it is extremely overwhelmingly positive the people who are using this classic editor. The Gutenberg editor, on the other hand, has an average two-star rating with 1,807 one-star ratings. Now you might say, okay, it's kind of skewed because the people who you know, are using the new block-based editor and are happy with it are a lot less likely to leave a positive review than those who are not happy with it and are switching back to the older editor. But it's important to keep these things in mind. Um, uh, we take Amazon reviews very seriously. They sway our opinions when it comes to buying a product. And I think as a software developer, it makes sense to take some of these things into account. So here's a few of them. Now, I'll just read a few of them out, some of the reviews that people have left. Uh, one person says, when 5.0 rolled out and I saw the new editor, I thought, ah, if only we could have the old one back. And just like that, the classic editor pro, uh, plugin appeared. I can't say thank you enough for this. Works like a charm. So you have a person who's just thankful to be able to use the original editor. Another one says, I don't know what the, the, what the WordPress dev team were thinking when they came up with Gutenberg. It is horrible. If you're just using WordPress for a blog, it is unusable. Thankfully, the classic editor is available. So again, that's a, that's a bit overstated in the sense that it's still usable, but I understand kind of the, the frustration. Another one says, I never wanted uh, or appreciated the block type editing tools. To have this updated force to have this update forced upon my WordPress sites did not make me happy. This plugin worked flawlessly out of the box, referring to the classic editor. Uh, on my uh, hosting system, managed WordPress and the self-managed account. So there's just a lot of sentiment out there that 
Uh, You could argue on two sides of this saying that, you know, maybe some people are just opposed to change uh, and then some people uh, just kind of prefer the way that it was before. But I think there's a mixture of it. And I think an important piece to building a software product or to building anything is to take very seriously what people are, you know, what people are saying and to be aware of that feedback and why, why they're saying it. So there is... There are some pieces, one of the things I kind of wanted to jump in here on that relate to this uh, was just innovation in general, right? So people, when Steve Jobs first announced the iPhone, a lot of people said that it was going to fail. Most people said that, yeah, this this isn't going to go anywhere. But the difference between something like that and something like this, because you could sit there and say, well, yeah, people just aren't catching up to the innovation, is that... The difference with the iPhone is that it was solving particular problems that were not yet effectively being solved. I can't say the same for this new editor. It's not solving uh, the problem of writing something quickly and efficiently better. It's solving a different problem altogether. It does a good job. It's a nice editor, but it's not what most people use WordPress for. And therefore, I don't think that it that I think that's why you're getting so much pushback on the new editor, not because it's, you know, ages ahead of its time. I actually think it's a little bit behind its time um, in the sense that these editors have been around for a long time uh, in other formats um, for people to use as plugins. Do so you have some thoughts on that, Casey? I do. I'm kind of curious in terms of the new Gutenberg editor, who Who's the target audience for the Gutenberg editor? Who, who is that position to serve? So, yeah, I think that's a great question. And I don't know, to start with that, I don't know who um, the WordPress team was targeting with that. So that's important to mention. If I were to guess, I would say that it looks like it is geared for either A, designers who don't code. Uh, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's just people who specialize more in the visual designing aspect rather than the actual building of it. So designers who don't code or people who uh, just want the freedom and flexibility to customize the layout of a page themselves without having to hire a developer. I think those those two uh, niches of people are important and should be well served but not at the expense of the heart of what most people use a content creation platform for. That's why I mentioned earlier, one possible solution would be to take this block-based editor and apply it to pages and not posts. Because like I said, posts are generally, not for everyone, but posts are typically what we where we do our long-form, regular writing and creating of content. And in that case, most of the block-based tools just aren't relevant to people who are creating content. Mm -hmm. Who would you consider to be WordPress's competitors? So WordPress, interestingly enough, doesn't really have any viable competitors anymore. I mean, there's like Joomla and there's Drupal and there's uh, a few out there, but most people who aren't using WordPress are using something that's uh, custom created that there's a a growing community of people who are using static HTML uh, processors, which are are nice in a sense because they load super fast, but they 
complete, most of the people who use them, from what I can tell, are designers or, or not designers, developers, people who are used to jumping in and coding things out. They made some better uh, user interfaces for some of these. The reason why a lot of people use them is since they're not based on, you know, it's not a software that's being hosted on a server. It's literally static files that it generates. So all that that means at the end of the day is that your pages will load lightning fast and that you can host them on virtually any machine with little or no footprint for those pages to load. WordPress is heftier uh, in terms of its core code, which means that, you know, it just takes more resources to be able to produce pages and posts. The benefit to that, of course, is that you have an entire user interface and a database that makes it extremely easy to interact with the software you can create. We have things like this block based editor because WordPress uh, is based on software. Um, so yeah, in terms of co- competitors though, I, WordPress grows every year. And uh, I think last time I checked, it was 42% of websites uh, are p- currently powered by WordPress. So um, it, it's tough to compete with that. <laughs> that's that's fair. What about blogging platforms like uh, like Medium, like Squarespace um, that are going after a you know, a market of content creators whose primary, you know, medium or method of creating content is the written word. And so you, we, we, on medium, there's publications, there's even podcasts on there's now, and there's, you know, people who have casual, you know, who just write their own stuff. That's you know, articles that aren't associated with a publication. You've got Squarespace trying to position itself as a blogging and e-commerce platform. And so in the, in the minds of the in the minds of the average consumer and defining that as, you know, someone like myself who wants to create a blog or a website and does not have designer development chops or background. Um, and I'm looking at how to start a site. I might even look at Wix. Please don't anyone listening, please don't work right. with Wix <laughs> or Weebly, you know, like these other, these other platforms. And I would say like, maybe they're not competitors in terms of scale and, uh, you know, the robust robustness and stability of their platform. But in terms of the segment of WordPress's target audience of the blogger, the non-technical blogger, um, how would you see, like, to me, how do you think of Gutenberg as a, as a marketing tool that WordPress use, you know, could use to go after that segment? Yeah, so I part of it, part of why um, WordPress is one of those tools that continues to thrive. And I think you're right in stating that something like Squarespace or Medium are, in a sense, or even Wix or a number of these other site creators are competitors of WordPress. But one of the reasons I think that you see uh, WordPress continuing to grow is that a lot of people who are building platforms on the web that are business-based or something that's going beyond like what I, what I like to call just a web-based business card is that you need the more, you need more freedom and flexibility to be able to create the type of platform that you want to build. So with a Wix or let's say, you know, or even medium, like medium is a great platform for writing and it's, and it's even got like a kind of a social network uh, mentality or philosophy kind of built into it. But the problem with a place like Medium, a place like Wix or Squarespace, is that you don't own it at the end of the day. They do. So, for example, if they got sold over, you know, if a big company bought them or if there's a merger or something like that, you'll always be holding to 
that platform, you always have to trust them for your content and for the features that you have available to you. So for some people just starting out, that may be, that may work. Uh, It may work, you know, to trust them with, maybe they have the exact features or functionality that you want. But I think part of the reason why you see WordPress growing so much and it continues to do so is because it gives you 100% control in the sense that it's free and open source software. You can pick where it's hosted. You can hire a developer to build anything you want on top of it. You're not limited merely to what, you know, a Squarespace enables you to do or the editor built within WordPress or built within Wix or something like that. So the Gutenberg editor, I think part of of why they probably started to go this direction is because the Wix of the world, the Squarespace of the world, and a lot of these other, you know, quick WordPress creating platforms have these block-based editors. Uh, I think the the problem, however, is that that misses out. I think they're cop, and this is just my take on it. I think what they're doing is they're replicating the weakest parts of these other platforms, which is that you can just have a website, just kind of build out these block bases and you're done. Part of what makes a WordPress website powerful is that it can be a home for new content that gets updated regularly. The problem with a Wix website is it's just a static business card, not to say that you can't build a blog into it, but it's just a static business card. It doesn't produce, it doesn't give people a reason to keep coming back over and over again to engage with the site, uh, to purchase products from you to actually grow the platform you're trying to build. Whereas WordPress, in essence, as a content creation machine, enables you to do that. So I think it's, it's lending itself to kind of the weaker elements of what these static website builders enable you to do. Now, obviously, it's still built into that ability to custom create content, you know, through posts. But I think that it's, it's better to bolster what made WordPress uh, effective and what made it stand out um, above these other ones rather than trying to replicate what everybody else is doing. Absolutely. And I want to underscore, you know, and really highlight something that you said that when you create content on a Facebook page or Medium, you know, these platforms uh, are not, you don't own this platform. So like Medium could go out of business and shut down and all of the articles that you have written on that platform are just gone. Um, you know, Facebook could change the rules and the reach of your Facebook page could plummet um, or they could, you know, uh, you violate a policy and they're like, oh, your page is gone. And however, you know, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of fans and community that you have on that platform is gone. Because when you build your platform, when you build your brand on rented land, the landlord can kick you out. The landlord can stand, can sell that piece of digital property or shut it down, um, and you're you're kind of left without a leg to stand on. Whereas, like you were saying with WordPress, you own it 100%. You you know it is a piece of web-based software, but it sits on a piece of digital property that you own. The self-hosted WordPress WordPress blog, like you know if you host it with Hover or Fly, you know domain name from Hover and posted on flywheel or something like that. Um, you know, and then either you, uh, buy a theme from Thomas and use that or have a developer, you know, build you one. Uh, it is your home base in the internet and, and you own it. You're a homeowner in a sense, like this is your, your piece of digital property. Um, how can, 
as you know, for people listening who are, you know, uh, building their own websites, creating content, uh, trying to uh, acquire new audiences and engage with, you know, their listeners and subscribers. How do you strike a balance between serving your existing audience and trying to grow it by reaching new people? Yeah. So there's, so I think that's a, that's a good question because, and, and it's something that we can also draw a parallel between uh, for this WordPress example, right? Because what you can do, and here's the, Let's bring it back. What I think would be helpful is to bring it back to the concept of a brand. Uh, a brand, as I've touched on in the past, isn't a website. It isn't a logo. It isn't a color scheme. It is a promise that we make to our target customers. So in the same way, uh, in many ways, uh, WordPress made a promise to its target customers very early on. And a customer doesn't have to necessarily be someone who gives you money. A customer can be somebody who invests in what you do. Uh, so if you give away free software, somebody who downloads and uses that software is a customer. But their promise very early on was to make a clean and beautiful writing experience. That was a promise. And that can be that can come out in a wide variety of ways. So the moment we start to deviate from that initial promise that we have delivered to customers, that thing for which customers have become, uh, those customers have come to know and expect of us, uh, then we start to lose, you know, those customers start to lose faith. And an important thing to remember is that that is those are the pillars. Those are the foundation of what enabled that company or that brand to grow to. So in the same way, WordPress doesn't exist without the user base that they have developed or built over the course of the last decade. In the same way that, you know, Apple wouldn't exist without the tens of thousands, if not millions of customers who have invested in not just their products, but their brand over the last however many years. So I think that's an important thing is that by establishing very early on who it is you're serving, the problem that you're solving and the promise that you're making to them, your your products can, can change, your services can change. But as long as you hold true to the original purpose and intent and promise that you made, you can't go wrong, right? And I think that's part of why you see a lot of people here who are upset with this, even though it's a, albeit a small piece, who are upset about this editor. Um, that's that's part of I think why you're seeing that. So, like, for, if we could draw a parallel, I think people would be pretty shocked if Apple decided to come out with a CD player. And the reason we would be shocked by that is because Apple is typically making things that are not only technologically advanced as opposed to others in their industry but they are solving problems in new and innovative ways with you know uh in a very elegant and simple platform so if they came out with a walkman or something close to it we'd be like what happened there because they're not staying (laughs) true to that brand uh to that brand promise that they made very early on with some of the first apple computers um, and so i think that's the same thing that we can learn as we're creating our own platforms you have to be true to that brand promise and by doing so like you said you will maintain uh you will maintain those customers those hard-earned hard-fought customers who already invested in you Uh, and then from there you can grow and expand and change the way you deliver on that promise over time to appeal to a broader audience or to people who aren't already uh bought into the brand that you have 
I love that. And I think we could all agree uh, whether you are currently a Apple or Android or Windows phone user that we are all very grateful for Apple coming out with the iPhone. Otherwise, we would have the uh, 18th version of the uh, Moto Razor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or the Palm Pilot. I had one of those. (laughs) fantastic um well thomas thank you uh so much for um, diving into this and kind of peeling back uh the curtain a little bit in terms of you know what uh, you know wordpress is built on and what the editor experience is like um i'd love to close out with a question for you on what your creative what your writing process is like so you've talked a bit about how you know the existing editor um, and the release of the Gutenberg editor in WordPress was so disruptive because it, you know, threw a kind of a big wrench in the creative workflow of people who, you know, work on the platform every day. Whether they, you know, whether they use a third-party app and then export that text into, you know, WordPress, they're still using the WordPress editor as part of that process. Or whether they're actually creating inside of WordPress and writing their articles. Um, you know, in the, in the web browser, what is your creative, uh, workflow like for a blog post? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so these days I don't do, I I don't do quite as many blog posts as I used to. I used to do a blog post a week, sometimes two. And so a lot of what I find myself writing these days are actually more, uh, either it's going to be emails. So those are, those have kind of, um, become my blog posts. And then also I wrote, write show notes for this podcast or, kind of cons- conceptual ideas for videos I'm going to be doing over at Rightly TV. But the concept still remains the same. So what I do is I use an app called Things, which is available for Mac and iOS. And I pretty much use Things primarily as my uh, idea bucket, the place where I just throw my ideas. And so I'll probably in a future episode go through this in more detail. Um, but I use that as kind of the place where I throw my ideas. So if I'm working on something throughout the day, I get an idea. They've got a nice little keyboard shortcut. So I just uh, type in a title, maybe a quick note, hit enter, and it gets tossed in my inbox. Then a couple of times a week, and I'm trying to get more specific on which days and times I'm going to do this, but a couple of times a week, I spend some time sifting through those ideas and prioritizing them and which seem to be uh, the best or the most relevant or the most useful uh, for people who are watching or listening. And then I just take some time in Bear to go through the app we talked about earlier, and I will write out those p- particular pieces. So if it is uh, for a video, I'm going to write down some of the fundamental you know, key concepts that I'll be exploring. If it is for a podcast episode, it's going to be the show notes. Uh, if it is for an email I'm going to send out, then I'll write out that email. Uh, but typically that's what I'll do. I'll go through the process of kind of creating the ideas. Then the second phase, so first phase would be Uh, capturing the ideas. Second phase would be sorting those ideas. Third phase would be uh, creating the content that is based upon those particular ideas. Awesome. I love it. I think one of the things that's interesting about uh, the creative process in general is that it's a little different for everyone. And I think for the listeners, what I would love for them to take away is to to try different things and see what works for you. And when you find something that works, like it's really easy, um, especially I think people who have the object syndrome and it's like ooh this new software came out ooh this new plugin is available ooh the gutenberg editor is is open or available and 
we we are in, we are constantly chasing a new tool instead of trying to determine and figure out a workflow that is efficient and effective. So like if you you know um, if if editing in the WordPress editor inside of the browser, you know whether it's the classic or the Gutenberg version works for you and you're able to focus and produce and you it is efficient and you enjoy it because I think those are two important factors then you don't need anything else. You don't need someone else's workflow. You don't need someone else's tool. You just need to use what works for you. And there's going to be common themes and common principles in that. But, um, you know, try, you know, if something new comes out, and you want to try it, like give it a try, give it a week. Uh, and then if it doesn't work, like scrap it. And that's totally fine. Yep. Totally. Absolutely agree on that one. Okay. So I'd like to thank everyone for joining us today. Check out, uh, Casey Proctor at Casey proctor.com and i also want to mention as well if you ever want to leave a question for the program you can go to rightly.show slash question we're always happy to hear from you uh, also make sure that you sign up for that free course which is available over at rightly.training where we're going to go through and break down the fundamentals of building an effective brand and how that applies to you and the business that you're trying to build if you found this episode useful don't hesitate to leave us a review over on apple Podcasts. we always do appreciate it and until next time go out there and create a brand that is truly rightly designed thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the program if you found it useful please take a quick moment to leave us a review and subscribe on apple podcasts google play Stitcher, or the medium of your choosing.